Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum are causing mass buy panic. Faster than fast fashion brand Sheen is launching a Project Runway dupe, and OnlyFans is banning sexually explicit content. We're Jasmine and Maggie, and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people are the traditional custodians of the land we are on today. We'd also like to celebrate their rich history of culture and storytelling that we are all able to learn from. We would like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. If I'm honest with you, Jazz, I have a little bit of stage fright talking on the mic today. Really? I feel a little. We've had a pretty big week. Do you want to share? Yeah. So thank you to the angels at Spotify for spotlighting our podcast and for putting us in front of so many new ears this week. Um, so we are currently number eight in Australia for society and culture podcast, which is just, it. it's mind blowing. I can't even fathom this. No, me either. It's so crazy to see us little by little going up and up and up. And we are in the top overall genres, which I just never thought would happen as well. Like out of all the genres Mm -hmm. on Spotify, people actually want to listen to us. But it's been nice, I think, like after a year of doing this every week and like it definitely being a passion project, like we've not made any much money from this at all. Um, It's nice to see that people are enjoying it and we're not just like, I mean, even if I was just talking to you every week, like it's still fun, obviously. And we started this with no expectations and just as like a project. So it's nice to see it like out in the world by itself, like going off, you know. Mm. I feel like we should give a little reintroduction of ourselves to people who don't know who we are. Just very brief. I know we talk about ourselves all the time, but (laughs) why not talk about us even more? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So for those who are new listeners... I'm Jasmine and I'm a freelance culture writer, journalist, copywriter, and of course, this co-host of this podcast. I'm Melbourne-based and I write about topics including fashion, music, art, internet trends, what's going on, and then a lot of like personal pieces as well. Love a little first-person essay. Um, And yeah, I'm Maggie and I met couple years ago at an event by the cool career and a year ago uh just over a year ago now reached out to mags and asked if she wanted to do a podcast because we kept pitching to fashion journal which is where we both interned and i was like instead of competing for these like headlines and topics that we're both really passionate about let's work together and discuss topics we want to talk about on the podcast and now here we are and maggie who are you that is very cute um like the funny and sad thing is um, your intro about yourself is literally the same as mine. Just swap her name <laughs> to Maggie and it's the same. We like write about similar topics. We both do this podcast. Um, so, yeah, honestly, that's that's basically us. <laughs> I don't feel like I need to add any more. But, no, I am a bit younger than Jazz. She is a millennial, so in between. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> Stop it. We can't be twins, you know. Um, but yeah, you're a Zillennial. I'm a straight Gen Z and I am also Chinese. So I feel like that's something different. You are not Chinese, Jess. <laughs> so that's us. Thank you for tuning in.
I need to talk to you about this. We don't often talk music, but Lord's third album, Solar Power, came out this week, and I need to hear your thoughts. We haven't spoken about this at all, saving it for the pod. Are you even a Lord fan? I don't know if you oh, like her in the past. Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. I was definitely like a major Lord fan back in the day. So I was super excited for this album to come out, but then for some reason I haven't actually listened to it. I've only what? listened to like, I know, I know. I've listened to the, like the singles that came out beforehand and then I've heard snippets of it. So mm-hmm. I can talk about the snippets, but what are your thoughts since you've actually listened? So I am also a huge Lord fan. I remember like, we're the same age, so like feels like a similar vibe to Taylor Swift of like growing up, like the albums come out like a specific point in your life. So yeah, I've been a fan since the good old days when she was on SoundCloud. Oh my god. But to be honest, when Solar Power came out, I was really mm. disappointed with it. I don't know it's not that it was particularly light, but it was just like I just don't like the song that much. And now I'm yeah. so used to it from hearing it on TikTok. I'm like, whatever. So I wasn't that excited and then on Friday what was it, Friday? Yeah, Friday when it came out, or Thursday. I listened to The Path, which is the first song, and I was like, oh, I don't like this. And then Soul Power second, I was like, oh, my God, I don't like this album. I literally nearly wanted to cry. And then I got to Secrets from a Girl Who's Seen It All and was like, nah, this is classic Lord. So oh, apparently oh. that song in the Spotify notes, it says that that song is – like she's talking to the girl who she was when she wrote Ribs and she's actually mm. taken chords from that song and reversed it. So it's basically like the 25-year-old Lord talking to 15-year-old Lord from Ribs and I was just like, oh, my God, I can't do this. So I have a few favourites that have been on repeat. I've been listening to it all weekend, uh, cycle down to the beach again, which is again in my 5K this morning and just listen to the album and it's all like ocean vibes and like, yeah. So I loved it, but it's had some very – mixed criticism yeah our friend julian rizzo smith also a writer um he works at pedestrian he wrote a piece titled a three-minute explainer on why people are so critical of lord's solar power album and in that he kind of collates some critics um comments so some read they're pretty scathing they're pretty like hard hitting so critic anna gaka from pitchfork says It is a first Lord album that doesn't try to tug on your sleeve or stare directly into your eyes. It feels like doing less. And a critic from Stereo Gum said, Soul of Power isn't necessarily a bad hang if you approach it as background music, but for an artist that usually sounds so immediate and vital, it's hard not to feel like this is a letdown. I do not agree with that at all. The AV Club also said that the album's producer, Jack Antonoff, of course, the famous producer who's worked with Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey, said that this album means that Jack should be dethroned as the pop producer of choice. It's also all over Twitter, people debating. But I actually, Julian, I don't agree with Julian's last comments where he says that this album is a result of Lord living and working in New Zealand during the pandemic. Julian says, quote, To be completely honest, it's why I think we're all reacting to Lord's new album so critically. We're all jealous of Lord and can't relate to the last 18 months she's had. It's hard to fall in love with the sunny, poppy bliss that Lord clearly intends for us to join in on when we can't relate to the carefree freedom that is in the background of this album. 
I'm not here to comment on whether solar power is good or not, but know that any criticisms of it are merely magnified by our unconscious bias against her for living in one of the few countries not affected by the pandemic, while the rest of us are coming from a jaded, locked down and mentally exhausted place. I don't think that this album is particularly happy. If you listen to the lyrics, they're actually some really dark lyrics and a few of the songs are quite sad. I think the melody is a bit more chilled and there's some like happy like Jack Johnson-esque guitar in some songs, but I still feel, I don't know if I'm, obviously I'm biased because I'm a fan, but I still feel like it definitely does have some dark tones to it. Mm. I mean, from what I've heard, I kind of do lean towards like the critics and kind of what, I mean, and and what Julian said, but I'm really basing this off just solar power and kind of like stoned at the nail salon because it does feel super light. Like when I'm looking at her music video when she's in that sunny yellow dress and then she did a Vogue 73 questions where she's in this really cute like little bralette and then she had this like live performance of solar power on like a rooftop. Her hair's in two little plaits and she's wearing another yellow fun cute thing. I just feel like she's, and this is not a negative at all. Like she's just being cute and living it up and enjoying like that side of her twenties. I haven't listened to like the mm. darker songs yet, but I'm like, oh, like that's all good and fair, but it doesn't hit as hard as her songs used to, or like the ones that mm. I loved when I was younger as well. But again, I'll listen to the whole thing. But even Green Light, like Green Light, I think is a happy song. Like it's about a breakup, obviously, but then it's very up it's really upbeat it's really like poppy um but yeah interesting interesting the criticisms but i've had on repeat i love it love you lord love your work me too i mean she's such a babe Well, 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 photographic proof of Hollywood's newest couple has us feeling some kind of way. Yes, actress, singer and model Zoe Kravitz and actor and dancer Channing Tatum have been snapped being all cool and coupley together in New York City. First, we saw the pictures of them in dark wash denim, dark tops, riding on a bike together, which was giving me high school vibes, like it's on the back of yeah. some boys' like bike. <laughs> And then some faves, which I'm manifesting for summer, was Zoe in a slinky bright blue dress holding an iced coffee with Channing next to her in, again, more like very 2000s pop punk style clothes, I think. Um, When we posted some photos on our Instagram over the weekend at Culture Club Pod, we were hit with so many mixed reactions and so many comments. One follower said, this is the most random pairing. I'm tuned in. Another commented, why is this cool? It shouldn't be cool, yet it is. And our friends at Azine said, this is hot, but it's giving me evil. What do you think? It's so true. Like, I feel like we shouldn't enjoy this. When it kind of came out that 
Um, they might be rumored dating. So, for instance, months ago, Dumois had shared dating rumors that Zoe was dating an, um, quote, A-list actor with a skill many actors don't have. Some people were guessing it might be Channing Tatum, but were like, nah, that is so weird. Like, why would that work? Um, but I think it kind of does. These photos are so cute and hot. Yeah, I'm into it. There, I have a question though, because like they're so, Zoe is effortlessly cool. We know that mm. she's like the epitome of cool, but they're dressed so nicely and so well, almost kind of matchy to some extent. And I feel like you don't really see celebrities get kind of obviously packed together while they're looking so put together. I think I that's know. just because they're such a stylish couple anyway. Mm. They probably that's always look cool. <laughs> I know. Um, Channing also had like his bike when um, yeah. Zoe was in that blue blue dress and it was like another bike. It was like a different bike. I'm like, how many bikes does he have? Like a little BMX thing as well, not like yeah. some like bougie hipster bike, but like a little BMX where he was like down to the ground like a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> Is that not every single character he's played in a movie <laughs> as well? <laughs> so true. Yeah. Anyway, can't wait for more content. I know them. because I think it also feels like a real rom-com movie. Mm. Like they both kind of could be characters. And I'm like, oh, this is real life. So, yeah. Speaking of celeb couples and boyfriends, imagine if Elon Musk was your boyfriend. No, thank you. <laughs> I reject that thought. <laughs> thank you, next. Uh, his girlfriend, Grimes, of course, has taken to TikTok again and tried to jump on the is he hot or is he just XYZ trend that's happening. Um, so if you don't know what we're talking about, it's like, is he hot or does he just clean his bathroom? Is he hot or does he just ask me about my day? Is he hot or does he just like cuddle me after sex? Like those types of things. <laughs> like bars yeah. on the floor vibe. Yeah, literally. Um so you sent me this TikTok of Grimes like sitting in her chair patting a robot dog doing this trend and in it she um, has the questions pop up on the screen and they read, is he hot or is he out to destroy big oil? Is he hot or will he put the first human on Mars? And is he hot or is he giving an 100 million prize for scalable ideas to remove CO2 from the Earth's atmosphere? Oh, my God. And in the caption to the video, she says, stop harassing me on this app over fake news and I am not my BF spokesperson, which sounds like what you'd say if you were a spokesperson (laughs) and a little cheerleader for your little billionaire boyfriend. (laughs) It's just she's on another planet. Um, (laughs) That could be literally. Yeah. (laughs) Grimes was also replying to comments trying to disprove the claims of Tesla's unethical mining practices and labor by linking out to their impact reports. Some of the comments from people were quick to point out how problematic Elon is, like, quote, is he hot or does he do environmentally friendly things because of his own pollution for cover-up? And is he hot or is he a textbook neo-colonialist? And this comes out like the week that Tesla's announced that they're building bloody robots, these weird ass looking human slender like- things that apparently are to like get rid of the the like human acts that are boring for us. That's what they said. Um, we don't need them. Sorry, 
we already have your like space cars. You're already going to the the out of space in your billionaire spaceship. Why, instead of building robots, don't you just put that money towards fixing climate change? Exactly. Like, why are you defending him? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what a lot of the comments were talking about. Like, Grimes is out here trying so hard to make us think of him as this, like, charitable person Mm. that's selfless and doing good things for the world. And everyone's like, he's got the means and the funds to solve climate change and world poverty. So what's he doing? Like, I don't care that he wants to put the first human on Mars. Yeah, literally. Why is that even a priority right now? COVID is taking over the world. Like, you know, there's an earthquake in Haiti this week and they're going to become more frequent because of climate change and he's building robots. Like, he's not a good – I don't care. He's not a good person and, like, why is she trying to – she's just trying to change that image, I think. And sometimes she actually puts her baby in the TikToks. Like, she doesn't show – the baby's face but mm. you know it's this whole thing of like trying to be relatable and like family a family and trying to be accessible and I'm just like can you stop <laughs> I honestly just don't understand the reasoning behind this because the caption was quite you know um strong in her statement of being like stop coming for me uh, like stop harassing me over Elon like I'm not his spokesperson, but then she puts out this video that surely she's not so out of touch that she knows it's going to kind of rile some people up and she's speaking on behalf of what he yeah. does. Like it feels it feels like it's too easy for her. There's just something, I feel like I'm missing something, but also maybe I'm just um, giving her too much credit or something because it just, mm. I don't understand. Maybe I should just block Grimes for my TikTok because every time. She comes up on my feed. I sent it to you and we end up talking about it on the podcast. Maybe we should just mind our business. <laughs> Leave the billionaires to themselves. So, Jazz, <laughs> did you know that our boyfriends are in trend at the moment? Which is so ironic because they are not trendy at all. Yeah. So, welcome to the rise of the norm core boyfriend. We're having a boyfriend without an internet presence is hot. A couple of weeks ago, writer Laura Pitcher penned a piece for ID Magazine about this, and we'll play the TikTok that she made to accompany the article here. We are officially entering the era of the offline normcore boyfriend. Here's what that means. Last month, Bella Hadid debuted her new boyfriend, Mark Kalman, on Instagram. His own Instagram is private, and we know virtually nothing about him other than the fact he worked as an art director for Travis Scott. Not long after Issa Rae posted photos from her surprise wedding, her husband is also extremely private online. Now, there are a lot of celebrity power couples, but having zero internet presence is quickly becoming one of the most attractive traits a partner can have. Psychotherapist Rachel Wright says that this might be because of the negative impact that social media is having on our relationships, including concerns about cyber cheating. Unfortunately, the idea that the more offline someone is, the more trustworthy they are, is something that sex therapist Dr. Lex Brown-James says is false. The good news is, is that there's less chance they'll be scrolling on their phone distracted when they're spending time with you. I find this concept so funny. Um, Some of the comments on the TikTok were so good. Um, One of my favorites was, I love when men are just trends. (laughs) And then sadly, someone else commented, extremely false. I dated an offline guy. Sometimes they have sparkle double lives. Sparkle. Mm. So 
he also might be cheating on you. <laughs> God. So lots of people were also pressed about this trend of the boyfriend, uh, questioning why men are the ones expected or encouraged to spend less time online, yet women are free to build their social media profiles however they want. I've seen kind of another trend that accompanies this where I don't know what the exact sound is for the TikTok, but it's like when women are like, when he has under 300 followers and it's like positive, Mm. when he has a private Instagram positive, when he has an Instagram with um, Instagram highlight buttons on his profile, ew. Um, (laughs) So I'm like, oh, that's interesting that like that's considered lame now, but just for guys. And I'm like, is that women playing into toxic masculinity that like a guy can't have Instagram highlight reels for some reason because it makes him look more feminine? Like why are they not allowed to have highlight reels now? I feel like this conversation is also super relevant for Australian guys. Um, cause even I wouldn't, I don't know about you, but like I'm thinking about maybe like high school guys that I went to school with or whatever. Um, they like none of them have a social media presence really at max. It's like once a month, a pick with the boys after <laughs> footy or like with a BR, but they're not really putting in that effort. You might get like the indie soft boys who do a little bit more, but it's never to, Oh, wait. I was going to say, unless it's like banker bros and, and that sort of side of Instagram, but it's not common at all to like have a public profile or build out a social media presence as a mm. guy, I would say, from what I've seen. Unless you already have another, like, unless it relates to a career, I think, like if you're a musician or a comedian or a fashion person, I follow a couple of fashion influencer guys. But yeah, this article was very funny to read. I need to tell you Mm -hmm. the other day I was on the phone with my boyfriend and for listeners, he's uh, 29. Yeah, he's 29. (laughs) He's 29. So he's a full blown millennial. And I mentioned something about Doja Cat and he was like, who's that? And I was like, you know, like boss bitch, you know, and I referenced a few songs. He was like, no, I have no idea who that is. And I played him a song like through the phone and he was like, oh, I've never heard that. And I was like, it literally, I was in shock. Like my jaw dropped. I was like, you have no idea who Doja Cat is. Like say so last year, COVID times. How? He was like, not. Nah. Yeah. Actually to compare that, um, Tom's latest like celebrity crush is Doja Cat. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Generations apart. Um, but yeah, no, I find this concept of like the offline boyfriend quite interesting. Um, so if we're applying it to like normal people, like I guess our age in the dating realm, maybe it's about the allure of like old fashioned love and romance. Like, you know, people are kind of, well, what we hear from people because we're not on the apps, but people are so sick of dating apps. Um, and kind of the, not the fakeness, but, the way that you have to construct a presence on social media, right? People are just kind of over, I feel like, because mm. um, you see the same old profiles, you see the like same old pickup lines or whatever have you on those apps. I have no idea what goes on. Um, but, yeah, maybe that's why, just like kind of fatigue from that. But I think people are fatigued from social media in general. I know mm. that I'm definitely like not as into it as I used to be. I think like after the pandemic, a lot of people, there's been a lot of conversations around people just not caring, people not wanting to put everything up. 
I think that also could add to like the mystery of like the offline mm. boyfriend is you don't know everything about them. It's not all out in the open. So you have to like get to know them a bit better or something. Yeah, I saw a TikTok that came off of my page that was like poses you can do if you want to like subtly show off your boyfriend or whatever, but they were kind of cute. But yeah, did you also get fed this? Because it's like show his hand or like get him to hold the – It's this sounds really complicated. Let me see if I can um, explain it verbally. But like get him to hold the phone that has the – iPhone camera open portrait mode like selfie mode to you nope I'm gonna stop there that does not make sense oh my god it's so so complicated but but then that is like I just said that like maybe people don't care about social media so much and that's why they're not putting their partners on social media anymore but then the, the opposite of that is like it's so convoluted and so like you're trying so hard to make them offline and mysterious that it ends up canceling each other out you know what I mean Exactly. Like people try so hard to seem like cool and effortless yes. with that, right? That's very true, I think. In terms of celebrity stuff, there has been a few more cases of this. Um, Bella did and her boyfriend, Mark Kalman. Apparently they've been secretly dating for over a year. Um, his Instagram is private, as mentioned in the TikTok. And, of course, Ariana Grande has just married, like, a real estate agent, Dalton Mm -hmm. Gomez. That's a huge one. Yeah, so it's a win for the girls. (laughs) Like, I think it does give celebrities more clout in a way when they are with a, like, a non-famous person. Almost makes the relationship feel more authentic because I think there's a lot of – there's a lot of like suspicion around PR couples and I'm wondering if couples are just getting together um, like for a movie, for movie PR or whatever it is, which does happen quite a bit. So I Harry feel like when, <laughs> still going, hun. I'm still watching. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like there's no ulterior motive. That's right. With, with this sort of thing. This week, it was announced that ultra-fast fashion company Sheen is debuting a Project Runway-style competition, which will be airing on YouTube and the brand's app. According to Fashionista, 30 designers from around the world will be battling to take out the grand prize of $100,000 and a chance to create a capsule collection for the site, with the top five contestants getting to fly to LA for a finale fashion show. Capsule collection, like really, <laughs> a capsule collection from a fast fashion brand. Yeah, that's selling like thousands of units. <laughs> like, don't worry, there will be a restock. The series is a culmination of a contest the company launched back in April as part of its Sheen X incubator program, and the contestants' designs will be made and sold, and featured in its upcoming fall winter twenty twenty one virtual fashion show. Quickly, what are your thoughts on this? Does it make you want to vomit the way it makes me want to vomit? Yes. It's very vomit-worthy. Come on, Sheen. Like, if we couldn't hate you enough, do you want to just rub some salt in the wound? In the wound of climate change, catastrophe, and slave labor. In the press release from the brand, it said that, quote, the online series program is one of the many large philanthropic initiatives from the brand in 2021 and aims to bring people together in celebration of fashion. I love that 
sorry, as journalists, we should read quotes in an like oh, yeah, an best way, but we just can't with Sheen. Like, uh, it's just I'm really shaking that was, in anger. Like, and that quote just like nailed it. Like, are you serious? You think you are? Th- philanthropic and helping out like the good of the world and bringing people together while you know your workers are like dying it's so philanthropic to pay women five cents for 50 garments like shut up (sighs) obviously this is a very controversial company so you'd think that it would be hard to find you know fashion people who take them seriously however they have gathered some huge names including chloe kardashian of course um, American stylist and Zendaya stylist, Law Roach. Mm. If my stylist was working with Sheen, sorry, get in the bin. American fashion designer Christian Siriano, um, Jenna Lyons, the former creative director of J. Crew, and In Styles magazine style director Laurel Pantin. They all announced the show this week on their social media platforms and people were not amused. Not at all. And this was also on Diet Prada. And designers were also quick to point out that the winning prize of 100K isn't much at all. Like one designer, Natalia Ferdner, pointed out like, how many employees can you hire with 100K? Exactly. Like, you know, one max or whatever it might be. So, um it is very performative. Mm. And like we know from Sheen, like they don't care about small independent designers and their winning prize actually reflects that, especially when you compare it to the billions of dollars in profit they make. Yeah, despite being huge on TikTok and with these Gen Z influencers, if you can even call them that, they are basically just whole people. Um, <laughs> many designers have publicly called Sheen out for copying them in the past. You see it all the time pop up on Diet Prada, um, even Dumois sometimes where Sheen has – it's so obvious that they've literally just gotten a picture from this small independent label who are probably trying to do the right thing by creating small collections or um, releasing only three, you know, yeah, like a capsule collection. Um, And then it gets turned into this Sheen product for $3. And we should also note that – this faster-than-fast fashion site adds 500 to 2,000 new styles to its site every day. No. Not every week, not every month, not every year, every day, with a lot of them costing under 10 US dollars. 500 to 2,000 new items, like new styles, not even items, new styles yeah. of garments every day. Like that's, I can't actually think about that. Yeah. So between the lack of sustainable practices and the stealing from designers, I think it's surprising that these people want to even have their names attached to this. Um, I really like this tweet by author and director of the New Standard Institute, which is a community that's driving the fashion industry to achieve environmental and social targets. Maxine Bedard said, at Insta, how can you pretend to care about the environment or labor issues when you support this? Sheen is the worst of the worst disposable fashion companies. This is just depressing. Yeah. Thankfully, a lot of people began calling the judges out on their Instagram posts. Christian Siriano's team were individually deleting comments stating, we deleted negativity. Thank you which is such a cop-out. That's disgusting. Everybody knows in PR, like, you cannot delete comments or that will bite your ass. <laughs> People notice. 
I'm just so tired of people saying that a valid criticism, like especially when it's coming to, you know, lockdown protests or people being like these wellness influencers spouting anti-mask, anti-lockdown rhetoric on their platforms. And people are like, you can't say it, say this, this is threatening public health. And they're like, I'm so tired of the trolling. Let's all stop being so negative. Like, because just because someone is giving you valid criticism, you are the one that's taking it as negativity because you know that you're doing something wrong, especially I'm talking in this case as well. If Mm. this many people are saying this brand is terrible for the environment, for workers, for the world in general, maybe you should listen to them. But one, another one that really shocked me was Jenna Lyons because she was like the darling of the fashion industry. A few, even a few years ago, J crew was huge. It ended up folding, but she actually completely disabled her comments and Mm. edited the post in the first caption. She's saying, I got a call from Sheen three months ago to be a judge. Um, I'm so excited, so emotional, blah, 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 blah. And then she's edited it to say, listen, there are a lot of comments about Sheen and I appreciate the feedback and everyone getting a chance to say how they feel. The reason I participated, if you are interested, is because the entire process was designed to support young designers and all of the contestants were incredibly talented, passionate and deserving of a chance at winning 100K. While I would love to, I'm not in a position to take on all of your comments and have individual conversations. I encourage you to, one, maybe take a look at it and see what you think before jumping to conclusions. Everyone deserves a second chance. Two, if you have a private Instagram and feel the need to make a negative comment, I would deeply appreciate if you read a quote titled The Man in the Arena by Teddy Roosevelt. And then she rounds off the edited um, caption with, in order to preserve the positivity for the designers involved, I probably will start taking comments down. I hope you can understand their moment is more important to me than the negative comments. My deepest support to the five contestants. You know who you are. I am so happy to have met you and I'm in your corner. Which is just curbing the subject, if anything. No one is going after any of these contestants. No, not all. At all. And I don't like the aspect where she says, I encourage you to maybe take a look at it and see what you think before jumping to conclusions. Even if this Project Runway type show gave homeless children some sheen clothes and they donated $100,000 to a hospital, I still would be criticizing them because, yes, you're lifting up these designers and putting down all of the workers at Sheen, the environment, billions of people across the world are going to be infected by this climate crisis as we spoke about last week. So as I said, even if you were donating money to a hospital, it doesn't outweigh the values here, I think. Yeah. And that's basically at the core of greenwashing. If these are just marketing tactics that don't actually make real change in conjunction to like the actual what the actual business is built on then that is just greenwashing which this is it's not even like surely they can't play into sustainability here but it's just it's just fake philanthropy and also when you've got the in style style director so in styles the magazine editorial they can write all the op-eds they want about why we need to buy less why we should have capsule wardrobes the sustainable bags of the season But by endorsing this show, you are saying that everything, it's showing that everything that they say is also greenwashing. Like, I don't trust that anymore. 
I did, don't think I even read them in the first place, but now I'm like, if InStyle's endorsing Sheen, I know that everything they say from now on is greenwashing. Like, they don't care. If they're willing to put their name on Sheen, they don't care about the actual sustainable fashion industry, and they're obviously just using it as a trend. Oh, I'm actually very curious about this because it is a style director of InStyle magazine and she's the only one getting, let's say, even if it's positive or negative, she's the one getting the clout slash the payment from this. But the other InStyle um, employees, I'm guessing, aren't getting anything and they're just having to deal with the consequences. Imagine if your like fellow co-worker was like, I'm going to go on a show by Sheen. And you're just like, what do you mean? Like you're just unraveling the work that we've done. Mm. Like that is also so infuriating. Mm. But in saying that, okay, say I worked at Inside Magazine and I was writing an article on sustainable fashion. I would be pissed off, but you know that so many of these magazines work as this hierarchy and – it just shows that the higher up also don't care. Oh, yeah. It's money. It's always it's always about money. So Sheen aren't the only company who has tried their hand at something like this. Amazon's second season of their show Making the Cut has just come out. Hosts Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn take like 10 designers to fight it out till the end. And each week, the winning looks are instantly available to buy on Amazon. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I have, no, I have not heard of that, but that is crazy. Can you imagine our grandmas, our grand, great-grandparents, and you're like, okay, we watch this TV show and then this garment is made like that and you can buy it on, the, on this thing called the internet and then it gets delivered to your house and you don't have to go into a shop. They'd be like, um, my seamstress down the road makes my clothes and I wear them for 50 years. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. And I actually tried to watch season one last year and it's terrible. It's literally the worst. I don't even try. Um, but it's just so transparent that this is all about making money and trying to elevate the names of Sheen and Amazon. There is simply no respect for fashion and like the care it should be treated with. The internet lit up this week after the shocking news that OnlyFans is removing explicit content from its site, causing people to call it Tumblr 2.0. You know, when Tumblr removed all its porn and everybody skedaddled. There's no denying that OnlyFans, the subscription site where fans pay creators for photos and videos, has become huge because of its sexually explicit content, especially during the pandemic when many people were out of work and turned to sex work to help pay the bills. Other sex workers used it to still serve their clientele while socially distancing, which explains why so many people were outraged over this decision that is set to come into effect in October. According to Bloomberg, OnlyFans will prohibit creators from posting material with sexually explicit content. They'll still be able to put up nude photos and videos as long as they're consistent with OnlyFans policy. So apparently the popularity of OnlyFans has brought scrutiny to the site and OnlyFans has said that the changes are needed because of mounting pressure from banking partners and payment providers. Yeah, so OnlyFans said that, quote, In order to ensure the long-term sustainability of our platform and continue to host an inclusive community of creators and fans, we must evolve our content guidelines. And Bloomberg has said that OF is trying to raise money from outside investors. Apparently, the site is worth more than a billion dollars. So they're trying to raise even more 
funds for one of the biggest content providers in the world. So I'm obviously not a business person, but why is this OnlyFans saying, oh, we have to remove this content because of banks, payment providers, and because investors are scared when they're already worth so much? Like why are they putting the greed basically ahead of the creators who have built their platform for them? Yeah, I hate that they are kind of pushing their very valuable creators to the side for Mm. um, profit. But like, also, it's a business, so I, it's it's almost expected. Like, I yeah. I expect businesses to always want more, always get more money, and always just have that as a driving force. But it really sucks because it's kind of just like disregarding what makes OnlyFans so great. So like the people. So if I like if I I'd be worried if, if I was OnlyFans, I'd be worried about having the creators leave their platform for another one because there's always going to be other ones mm. there like Patreon or um, other subscription sites. So, mm. Mm. well, they're clearly one of the biggest subscription sites on the internet, and surprise, surprise, they're run by two very wealthy men. Tim Stokely is the son of an investment banker, and. Leo Radvinsky is a billionaire who owns 75% of the business. According to Axios, OnlyFans has been looking for a, quote, strategic investment partner for months, but has been scared off by the sexually explicit content. So what they're saying basically is that sex sells are shit ton, <laughs> as we know, but it also scares away the little investors. Mm-hmm. So the second reason is that the BBC is investigating OnlyFans moderation process. Um, in some internal documents leaked to the BBC, those documents stated that OnlyFans allows moderators to give multiple warnings to accounts that post illegal content on its online platform before deciding to close them, which is obviously not good when it comes to non-consensual stuff or child abuse. It's been very interesting watching this story play out um, online, especially. There were so many headlines about this. Then we saw from some local creators that this was like very clickbaity and like it was scaring sex workers into losing work and we shouldn't be talking about it and blah, 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 blah. But then when we were researching this, we did see an updated policy guide, which we won't read out because there's quite a lot there, but it is actually banning like a lot of sexually explicit content. Some examples are um, actual or simulated sexual intercourse, oral, anal, between any gender, any sex, um, masturbation, etc., etc. So that's a lot of what OnlyFans is. Mm. Um, so it's been very interesting looking at like what sex workers are saying and then what publications are saying. But I think at the end of the day, we do have to listen to the people who are actually on there, the people who are earning money from it. They know better than any journalist and any publication what's actually going on, the ins and outs of the platform. Um, So I think the overall message is listen to sex workers. And a lot of them are saying that this is what's happening with so many platforms. Again, look at what happened to Tumblr. Um, They banned porn because they were getting investors from like Yahoo, etc., they were getting bought out and now like do you know anyone who still goes on tumblr i don't not really um so this proves that sex workers are doing so much work out there and like building these amazing internet platforms making sex work so much more accessible 
um, breaking down stigmas only to be abandoned when the site has made its money and they're looking to grow and get more greed even further. Did you watch, listen, or read anything good this week that's worth recommending to us? I am recommending Nine Perfect Strangers, which is a new series on Hulu slash Amazon. I binge this on Friday night with a takeaway curry, which is the best night ever. Um, but this is a new series based on a book by Australian author Leanne Moriarty, who, of course, wrote Big Little Lies. And this series tells the story of nine strangers, all from different walks of life, who enter a 10-day mind and body retreat. So it stars Nicole Kidman as the mysterious Russian woman, Marsha, who runs the retreat, and also has the Good Places Manny Jacinto. He played Jason on The Good Place. Oh, cute. Yes. He's so sexy in this. Um, always sexy anyway. Um, <laughs> but he's one of... Um, Nicole, well, Marsha's helpers and features Melissa McCarthy, who I think will get an Emmy for this. Like performance is so good. So hilarious. Classic Melissa McCarthy, but like very, a very deep character. Um, And it also has a whole bunch of Australian cameos. So Samara Weaving is a selfie obsessed influencer. Asha Ketty is a bereaved mum who has lost her son and Zoe Tarakis is another retreat helper. It was very nice to see them in a big series like this. So that's very cool. Because it was filmed in um, Byron Bay as well. So Mm. Aussie represent. Yes. So, yeah, of course, it was written by an Australian writer. So it's centered in Byron Bay, which I think is so clever because um, it's a whole commentary on like the wellness industry, right? And Mm. like, I think especially this year we have been talking a lot about Byron Bay and how some certain people can fall down uh, certain holes <laughs> from the wellness community because, you know, there are a lot of merits in it, but it can also be very culty, which is quite ironic. But, of course, because it's American, they've moved the setting from Australia to California. So right. a bit confusing. Australian author, Australian book. Yeah. Filmed in Byron, but it's meant to be California and it's all American. They're, all the Australians have American accents. So the first three episodes have been released um, with the rest coming out weekly and it sucked me in straight away. It's a psychological thriller as the Tranquilium House is supposed to restore these nine strangers and they all have secrets and you're trying to figure out who they are. Um, but then you quickly realize that everything is not as it seems. So, of course, Nicole Kidman is amazing. Um, the writing is so clever. And I think, obviously, if you liked Big Little Lies, you'll like this, um, if you like the book or the series. The internet has also been a buzz this week with commentary around White Lotus. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it, but it's got Sydney Sweeney from Euphoria. Um, but, yeah, it's got a lot of cool people in it. I haven't watched it myself, though. Yeah, I haven't either, but I feel like it just popped up this week and everyone just, like, watched it within a day or something. But I've mm. read that it has similar vibes in that it's a big commentary on wealthy, mostly white people searching for meaning and validation from this, like, higher power, like, needing to go to this retreat where a Russian woman will, like, you know, make them suffer <laughs> um, so they can 
yeah, get rid of their guilt or their feelings or whatever. Mm. So as you can tell, I'm very excited about this. I keep thinking about the like the last sentence of the last episode and I'm like, I oh. need to watch more. Um, so it's out in three days. So would recommend. How scary is it? Not that, not that scary. Um, I'm not into horror or anything like that. It's definitely more of a thriller where you're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? It's not like murder vibes or anything. Cool. I think yeah. I'm going to try watch it, but with my little sister. <laughs> I need the company. It's so good. And what have you loved this week? Yeah, switching gears from your recommendation. Mine is also actually on Amazon Prime. Um, we love Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, it is season two of Modern Love. So I'm happy to present some lighthearted love content this week. This is an anthological series that explores love in all its forms. So, of course, like romantic love, parent love, friendship love, etc. Each episode is based on a true story from the New York Times famous Modern Love column, which has been going for 17 years now, which is just ages. Um, so I watched half of the episodes so far. I think there is eight. They're all bite sized and about 30 minutes each. Um, they don't feel long, but you're really like transported into each of these stories and each of these worlds. And I think that's what I really like about it. Um, they do feel quite real. Of course, some parts of it are fictionalized, even though they are based on true stories. But I love that they're just so packed with feeling and you can just like tell that they're based on true stories, I think. And it, it goes from different parts of the world. Um, different types of people are telling the story, which I think is very cool. Each episode is also like written and directed by different people. So you do get like a different taster of different styles throughout the seasons. Um, I cried a bit in a few, a bit. It was quite a lot, actually. I cried <laughs> a lot in a couple of the episodes and just overall have been enjoying it, even though some are better than others. The reviews also haven't been amazing um, and most say that it doesn't really compare to season one. But I still think it's worth a watch. Mm. Yes, I saw season one. Love, love, love that. Binge that with my friend. Um love Anne Hathaway's episode and oh, Dev Patel. Too. Like I think about mm-hmm. those stories quite often, but I haven't been able to bring myself to watch season two yet. I just, I didn't think I can like emotionally oh. watch something that's sad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. like, give me well, all the thrillers and like the comedies because no emotion. Oh yeah. True. I was going to be like, Oh, they're not sad, but I I'll end up like crying anyway. So yeah. And, and one of them's like super COVID related. And I was like, I don't want to watch this right now. That's a Kit Harrington one, the guy from Game of Thrones. So uh, how's it COVID related? Like they, they met on a train when COVID was starting and it's oh. like really triggering. Cause they're like, Oh yeah. And they're like, they're from Dublin. I won't do the accent, but they're like, Oh, this will all blow over in two weeks. Like we'll see oh my each god, other. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just like, no. <laughs> RIP. But yeah. Okay. R-I-P. Maybe I'll watch it. It's been a bumper episode this week, but thanks for listening and thank you so much for supporting us over the last year and the last few weeks. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're so glad that you're here and that you found us and we'll talk to you on the internet otherwise. Yes. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.